Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Today is our special guest day, where we will hear from a friend of the ministry who will share their insight and stories on truth in this chaotic world. And now your host, Richard Case. Welcome, uh, Kathy and uh, Christian. Uh, today is guest day, Kathy, that we always uh, have such fun uh, hearing the stories of uh, people. We have Christian Ferris. He's from uh, Tampa, Florida, uh, as a good friend of ours, and uh, he and Ed Coble, who's also a good friend of ours, have this wonderful ministry that they're doing uh, to millennials and executives uh, and just flourishing with us. So, Christian, we're really excited that you're here. Uh, it's great having you today. Thank you. Absolutely. Guest days are one of our favorites. Yeah. So uh, to start it, we'd like to uh, have you share a little bit. How did you come to know uh, Christ? How, what was that uh, like for you? Uh, so I grew up in a, in a pastor's home. So I think that story kind of writes itself, right? You're hearing the gospel from the time you're in the nursery. <laughs> um, and But I'll, I'll tell you something significant about it for me. I was four years old. Dad always did these devotions with us as kids before he put us to bed at night. And mm. I remember at, um, at and, and remember like it was yesterday. So it was a significant moment for me. And um, But he was reading, um, he had this little devotion book. It was a yellow hardback book. And he was reading the story uh, from the Gospels, the Maniac of Gadara, and he was telling about this wild man that was out in the <laughs> woods, and there's all this crazy stuff, you know, and how Jesus comes, and, and every, everybody's trying to tie him down and trying to get him to calm down, but they couldn't do it. He's breaking chains. It's a fascinating story, like terrifying and fascinating for a four-year-old. Uh, but then he talks about Jesus coming in and how Jesus just changed the guy's life, and calmed his spirit down and he was clothed and in his right mind. And it's so weird to imagine a four-year-old being able to process this. But I, I remember just kind of crying with dad and saying, I, I want to know mm. Jesus. Um, I want to know that Jesus. And so he led me to Christ uh, on the edge of the bed there at four years old. And I was <laughs> baptized when I was six. So that's, that's you know, beautiful. Hard, hard life of sin, right? That I had to be saved out of. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, and then, um, uh, as you, uh, you know, matured uh, through that, what were some of the uh, things that you learned as you were growing? You know, obviously at four, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're a believer, but uh, you're probably not fully uh, uh, up to speed with everything. So how did that, how did that mature for you over, over time? Yeah, great question. I, you know, it was interesting. You're in those formidable years of life. You're, you're told what to believe and how to believe it and how to live it out. And then you become a teenager and you start to become independent and you start, you know, asking a lot of questions, right? And mm -hmm. uh, you start to evaluate things different. I'll be honest with you, we grew up in a Christian, so our, like we had a church and a church school. So I had zero exposure all the way through 12th grade of any kind of secularism. Um, and so I was the quintessential Christian nation, Christian, you know, society, like that was me. Um, and then all of a sudden you get into the work world and you get out into the college mm -hmm. world and you go, holy moly, there's a whole nother life out here yeah. that I was never exposed to. And I think if mom and dad would have done it differently, uh, it had a chance to do it differently, knowing now what they know, they would have, they would have done so. Uh, because when I started to experience freedom and get a taste of freedom for the first time, 
um, I, I ran wild with it. And, you know, mm -hmm. all the things that I grew up thinking, I believed, began to be challenged. And um, all my life, I was, I was reconciling secularism and morality through all of those God lenses. But when I, when I got older and I was on my own, that script kind of flipped for me. And I'll be honest with you, I had a, a moment with God, a, a meeting with God when I was an adult after something tragic that had happened to me, and I was at one of the lowest points of my life. And I will tell you that that was probably the moment when I really stepped into a personal belief. It wasn't mom mm -hmm. and dad's system. It wasn't their beliefs and what was you know presented and, and almost pushed on us growing up. It became my own at that moment. And that's when I started to really dive into my own view of doctrine and determine and construct my own theology and ecclesiology. All of that started to happen at that moment because I had to go research it on my own. And so um, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world either. So the upbringing was great. I, and I, when I got to be exposed to both sides, I, you know, I was able to land on the, on the right, what I believe to be the right side. Yeah, so. beautiful. Uh, and uh, tell us about your, uh, I know you're married. Uh, tell us about how you met her and, and how's, that, how's that going? Yeah, great. It's going great. I um, was, so <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy that if someone says, hey, don't go to the other side of that log, there's a snake over there, it's going to bite you. I'm the guy that's going to go over there and see if the snake there is going to get bit, right? So <laughs> I, I've, spent, I've spent my life um, and the good, good portion of my life trying to control outcomes and being in the driver's seat and not really walking in a place in a heart of surrender. And I, and I hope that in this part of the, um, you know, interview that we'll be able to get into this, cause there's a, I think there's a powerful story for the listeners today in this. Um, but I, I went through um, a divorce. I was going through a divorce and it was right in the middle of a plant. You know, we were plant, we had planted a church. We had started it. I mean, it was exploding in growth. We had just moved to a new campus. We're up like 400% in our growth at this campus. And, things were going excellent from a ministry standpoint, but the marriage was imploding. And um, I remember, um, I remember the day that I got served the divorce papers. Um, it was a Thursday afternoon. And I remember I was staying at my sister's house. She has a big house and I was in the back part of the house. I remember that night, I, I just did, I spent the entire night crying and weeping. And I just said, um, I can't believe God that of all the time that I've been investing in ministry, and in church work and kingdom work, mm. that this is how it's going to end. Like there was so much embarrassment. There was so much that I was trying to like, I'm going to lose everything because, and it, by the way, it wasn't something at the time that I wanted. And, and what I didn't understand then, by the way, Rich, so you know, I had not yet been introduced to the abiding yet. Yeah. And it, and it was mm. very shortly after this that I, that I went to the first abiding session with you and Linda at, at the ranch there with Ed and Becky. Yeah. So I felt like I was on an island and on my own with this. And, um, uh, and I, so I remember saying, okay, God clearly dropped the ball here. I got to step in. I got to take over. <laughs> and, you know, how many of us know that when we do that, when we start to challenge God's goodness in our life and, and we start to question that we learn this through abiding, uh, that, that's the that's the predicator to all temptation and sin, right? Because if God can't, mm -hmm. I must. And that's sort of what happened. I took over and just started to make some very poor decisions. I was making morally poor decisions. I was just running it on my own. I get introduced to the abiding, and I'll never forget sitting that first weekend. I was still in a tailspin. I mean, things were just so out in left field. 
Um, I've told Rich this before, so this is, I mean, I, I, I can say this publicly, but I could sit and listen to Rich teach for eight hours straight and not get bored. And that's saying something for me because I got mm -hmm, ADHD mm -hmm. really bad. But I remember sitting and listening to him teach and being mesmerized by the fact that I'd grown up in church. I had been presented to God and heard all this. I, I could quote the Bible, but I'd never learned what it meant to operate in the power of the pause and to just wait to, for, the, for the father to lead. Mm -hmm. So that gets to this point. I had started the abiding process and I was walking with the father and terrified that I was going to spend the rest of my life alone. I didn't want to be alone, but terrified that I was. And, and this is so cool. I was driving, I was making my way up as a January, I was making my way up to the ranch. And I was by my, I was in prayer and just, at, you know, just having some worship time and prayer time. I was driving about a three and a half hour drive. And I heard the father speak. And it was the first time in a, in a real personal way mm -hmm. that I'd heard the voice of the father. And I was able to process it in my conscience and through the filters that we learn in abiding. And here's what the father said. I don't want you to worry about having a woman in your life. And here's what he said. I'm going to bring her into your life. She's going to come out of the North. Now, my first thought was, hold on, God, that doesn't make sense. Cause I'm a boy out of the South. Are you sure this is from you, God? But this is really bizarre. The second thing he said to me was look at the clock. And I looked down at the clock and it was three 13. Mm. I remember getting to the ranch. I had no idea what it meant, but I got to the ranch and I said, Ed, I got to talk to you. I'm overwhelmed with what I just heard the father tell me. So he and I went out hunting, jumped in a deer stand and I was telling him the story and he put his hand over me. And I, I remember him praying over me. <clears throat> and, um, and it, it's interesting that that was in January. And then three months later, I was talking to, my brother and my brother said, Hey, I want to introduce you to this girl that is friends with a girl that he was dating. And I remember he opened up uh, the Facebook picture and showed me a picture. And I said, wow, she's beautiful. And uh, I said, where does she live? And he said, uh, North Carolina. Here's the coolest part of it though is the father reminded me to look at the clock and he said, I want you to look at the date. And it was three 13. It was March 13th that I was introduced to her. And I knew right then uh, I said, this is significant. I just got and goosebumps. <laughs> the, the rest is history. I mean, the father brought us together. We began to date and we were, we dated for a year. And of course we shared the same mentor who walked us through the whole process. And, um, of course now today we're celebrating, we're four years in marriage. We've got two beautiful kids, a three-year-old and a six month old. And so, you know, and, and so this is what I mean about the significance of God's grace is that I had screwed up everything that I had touched and tried to manage on my own. I pressed into the reality of abiding, operating in the power of the pause, letting God be the one to direct it, finding out what it is that he's blessing, pursuing that. And all of a sudden you, you, you get to see it like lived out in real time. Like God says, mm -hmm. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get this right until you get it right. And so um, I just, every time I look at my kids and my wife, I just see that picture of his grace and mercy. Wow. What a beautiful story. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, and pretty, pretty cool how God was so specific. <laughs> First time ever, Rich, that I've heard it that specific. Now, of course, I get to experience that all the time now. And yeah. it's, it's just overwhelming to know that God is that involved yeah. in, in what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're going to get into a series on uh, God's will uh, mm. coming up here. Uh, so uh, it's kind of, kind of cool how one of the things that we're going to help people understand, as you just stated, is it's very specific and it's very unique. And, <laughs> and with him speaking that, you know, uh, that time and that, the perfect and that, example, and that right? North is, <laughs> Uh, 
It wasn't fuzzy to you, was it? <laughs> no, no. It, the only thing was I was questioning God was how far north. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Well, she's still south of the Mason-Dixon line. So yeah, you're, that's, you're, that's what I said. Good, the first good. thing I said, we're perfect. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you can do yeah. both. Um, so um, uh, as you uh, describe to us a little bit uh, about your uh, ministry path of, because uh, you've been involved in lots of different things. So walk us through you know, uh, at you, you, cause you were, you know, you'd left college and, and I know you, you got involved with all kinds of stuff. So walk us through some of those things and what were some of the neat God moments, uh, as you were going through your, uh, walk with your, uh, work and your career. Yeah. So the, the first significant one in ministry is I left, co- I finished college, went back to work for my dad. He had a, they had a big ministry there running, you know, a few thousand people in the church. And, uh, I became the student pastor and we started with 15 kids, grew it to six, seven members. It's a hundreds and hundreds of kids that we had. God was blessing um, exponentially, but we were a part of what we call the independent fundamental Baptist movement. And uh, there's no judgment or condemnation here, except just to say it was a really strict, a lot of emphasis on um, outward things and, and just a high low uh, level and dosage of religiosity um, and uh, in performance. I call it the performance gospel. Um, we were so strict. I tell people we were all basically Amish with televisions, but uh, we weren't allowed to do anything, right? And so there was this sort of strict thing that we grew up in. And the father um, began, and again, I didn't understand this at the time, but he began to lead us out of that and, and it was, this was the beginning stages, even to understanding abiding, because in that world, it wasn't, it, it your, your um, relationship is not based on intimacy, it's based on performance. And mm-hmm. so as we started to step out of that, the script was flipped, right? Because for all of us, it was ministry first, and then intimacy, if you had time left over, <laughs> what we've learned now is that it's intimacy and ministry is born out of that intimacy. Yes. So as we begin to make that shift, um, it, it's what set us up and got us ready for, you know, for what we're doing today. And so we processed through that, got involved in, you know, we're serving in the church. And then in 2008, God, um, the father called us to launch what, what is now next level church. We launched that and, um, did saw some incredible things from a, an American church standpoint an American church perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. again, this is no secret to rich. We've had a lot of, um, off, uh, call off chart conversations about the American church and where we're at with all of that today. But yeah. um, he began to work on us very differently. And I'm going to tell you something funny. The church was booming, growing. It was just incredible. Um, the father told us to walk our church through a 12 week, we called it summer school, 12 weeks of abiding. And mm. we changed all of the model of what we did. We came off the stage. It wasn't none of this cult of person. You know, it was multiple people speaking. We set it up in like a, a, a sort of a schooling, you know, um, seminar type of setting. And we successfully grew our church from five services down to one. Um, people did not want to be a part of it because it was calling them into something mm. Um, that goes beyond just, hey, come get your God on for an hour and a half, throw a hand up and worship and go home and do nothing with it. <laughs> and it was a significant moment for us because we realized there is massive um, apathy and anemacy within the American church today. And it's because people are not abiding. In fact, 
their relationship with God is predicated on their relationship with the cult of personality or the pastor, whoever mm -hmm. that's leading that church. And it brought me back to first Corinthians chapter two, where Paul said, I could have come to you with a lot of wisdom and words and high, you know, um, uh, philosophies and all this, but I chose to come to you in the spirit of God and the spirit of God alone, because I didn't want your faith to be in me. I wanted mm -hmm. it to be in Jesus. I wanted it to be in the power of the Holy spirit. And so that was a abiding was a fundamental shift in our ministry, which we are still carrying out today. And um, in fact, to the point where this fall, we're actually launching micro churches. Um, our weekend gathering will just be a thing to equip the saints, but we're starting and launching these micro churches all over our Tampa Bay area, uh, where people are going to be leading couples in abiding taking them through a training that we are, have recorded on teaching how to abide. And then they're going to, they got to go out and get six to eight couples themselves and, and do the same. So we're working now in the process of multiplication of this whole thing. So just fascinating the way that, that God has done it. But the second and most clearest time that the father spoke to me outside of the marriage, when I started to hear the clarity of his voice is that four years ago, I was abiding, I was in the book of John and the father speaks to me and says, Christian, you're not going to spend the last half of your life entertaining Christians, but influencing world changers. Mm. And I got immediately, and this is how we operate with our, what we call our spiritual board of advisors. I immediately got on the phone with Ed. I said, Ed, the father just spoke this. Let me know if you can confirm it, but I'm going to tell you what he just told me. And here's where it came from in John, in the book of John. And he said, I can confirm it right after that. And I mean, within weeks after that, days and weeks after that, I started to have these high-level entrepreneur millennials were reaching out to me from all over the country. I have no idea how they heard about me, knew about me, but they were calling saying, hey, could you mentor me? And would you be willing to become a spiritual mentor to me and to the people in my office and our business? And I just was like, okay, Father, I mean, you now you're confirming it tangibly. We're going right. to just now walk in, in obedience. And that's what we did. And here we are four years later now. Uh, we have we have what we're calling chapters, elite warriors, what we call it for men all over the country from California to Florida. Um, and next month, we actually are going to be at the Promise Keepers event sharing this in front of 80,000 men, um, what God is doing. And they're making us one of the primary things that they're wanting to put people through um, this, this program and stuff. So it was a clear, another clear cut voice, you know, hearing God's voice and then him bringing it to fruition. And so that's where we're at now and operating in that lane now with these high-level entrepreneurs. And what's cool is they're disenchanted with the church as well. And so we're teaching them how to, listen, the church is, the, the ecclesia is not going anywhere. How do we empower you to take your work and what you're doing, teach you how to abide, hear the voice of God and others to do it? You guys, this is going to blow your mind. One of our guys, he's a franchiser out in uh, Orlando. He has around 400 and something employees. He has already led 300 of those employees to Jesus. He's, they, they are leading micro abiding groups all throughout their business. They marry, bury, and baptize these people in, in his business. And we're seeing that happen at, at an incredible level all over the country now. So uh, it's just, I believe the next awakening and revival is coming out of this right here. I believe it's coming from this. Yeah, it's pretty mm. cool. When you were... Um... Uh, you know, when your church went from five services to one, um, what was your spiritual perspective uh, while you were going through that? Because most, guy, most guys would, uh, who are leading churches would say, well, this ain't working. Um, mm -hmm. We got to go back to the way it used to be because, you know, we were bigger and had more money and had more people. And 
how, how did you process through that uh, as you were abiding and uh, walking with the, with God through the spirit? Yeah. Great, great question. So be, because it was a calling and not an opportunity. See, most of the things that we that we do as pastors in the church, we see as opportunities because it's working in other places or we learned about it at some creative conference. And so we just pick up their template and try to drop it in ours. And, and so what we operate in is the spirit of opportunity. But for us, it was a calling. We were, we were he- already hearing the voice of God. And so call, with calling comes conviction. And of course, we know that the conviction is critical to the tough times, the, the troubled waters, the uncertain or unchartered territory. We know that God is leading us there. But I'll tell you, I, I was thoroughly convinced, session one, are you convinced that he's a good God and he has the capacity to lead you into the best? And I had to determine that. And I did determine that. And so even when things looked like they were falling, you know, what's fascinating is that we were never harmed financially in that drop. Hmm. We never hmm. lost anything. We were never, in fact, to this day, we set financially better than we have in the history of our church when we were running five services. Um, and so that's just, a, it's like, by the way, not because that's what it's about, but we are funding other ministries and, be, and we're able to do other mm-hmm. things because of, but it's just the father saying, I can lead you into the best. You just got to determine that I'm, I know what I'm doing, doing, even if things look chaotic. And so again, it wasn't, we weren't operating in the spirit of opportunity, but the spirit of the calling and hearing the voice of God. And again, with that came conviction. Yeah. Yeah. And as you describe that, um, what does it look like to, uh, abide and, and hear God's voice and the Holy Spirit's leading you, um, uh, as you, you've given us a couple examples, but um, what does that really look like so that people can understand, you know, because a lot of questions that, that we get is, well, I hear you talk about abiding. I hear you talk about hearing God's voice, but what does that look like? What does that mean? So uh, anything you can do to give your example of it, how does it work for you? Yeah. I We talk about this all the time because to your point, the question always comes up, Mm -hmm. is it really God's voice or the pizza that I ate the night before? (laughs) Is it, it, you know, is it God's will or is it my agenda and my will? Uh, The the very first thing for me is this, I tell people, and it's a little bit of a grotesque, um, an example, an analogy, but I feel an an overwhelming and emotional rising up in me is almost inside, like I'm going to throw up, but it's not it's an emotion, like I have to speak, like the father is moving internally me and I have to declare it. I have to speak it. I just had the father speak something to me on Saturday about our ministry that is way outside of the box. And it was presented in that same way. What I do love about abiding in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he hears of the father will speak and show you things to come. What we know and teach is that it's individual. And so I think that everybody is going to experience this in their own individual way. So don't take my way and say, well, it's got to be that as you Mm -hmm. do this. And I use the word practice. I mean, Paul used the word practice in the New Testament. As you're practicing this, you're going to become more familiar with what you're feeling and experiencing. But we have a four litmus test that we go through. First of all, when God speaks the rhema, we know it never contradicts the logos. The rhema never contradicts the logos. I had a guy come to me one day and goes, hey, I'm in a troubled marriage, and I just think the Lord told me to leave my wife and get to this girl that I'm working with. And I'm like, mm, I can tell you that's not of God. Yeah, right. uh, the, the rhema, is, first of all, it's not the rhema, but it will never contradict the logos. Uh, number right. two, he, he confirms it through signs and wonders. And uh, we know the story of Gideon, right? Like he, take 300 men to go f- fight 30,000. I'd have been like, mm, I got a question on that one. And uh, he asked God to bring confirmation through miracles and signs. And so I think that's another way that God can confirm. We believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. Thirdly, through our board of advisors, whether it be my wife, and it's always my wife first, 
Um, and then the people that we surround us who are also abiding and living principle over personality, we ask the question, can you confirm this? Um, can you confirm this? And would you take 48 hours or seven days? Would you pray on this? We move to neutrality and then we'll come back mm -hmm. and we'll talk about it. And then lastly for us, it's that internal peace. Like it's an unexplainable, you can't understand it peace that comes over you because a lot of times what God speaks counterintuitive, countercultural, and it's really awkward. And, um, but you have this peace inside of you that you can't explain and you can't, you know, you can't understand it. And so I think that as people are practicing it, they're going to learn how to become more and more sensitive to the move of the spirit. We know that God speaking is predicated on our level of surrender. As we do it, we'll become more familiar. It'll, it'll be a, it'll be a feeling and an, it's an emotion. It's a sensing inside your conscience. And then we have this litmus test by which and through which we can run it. I tell people this all the time, that the filling of this Holy Spirit is not you having more of him, it's him having more of you. And mm -hmm. everything that we do in this, in this abiding, it, it all rises and falls And how surrendered are you to the will and way of the Father? Right. And so again, as they practice it, I believe they become more familiar with it. Yeah. And do you have, uh, as you're describing that, uh, which is beautiful, um, do you have any... Uh, practical examples uh you know it doesn't even have to be you know big ministry things just decisions that you and your wife have made or yeah how, how does that how does that look like in in reality for you great it's so funny just had a guy in a training ask that exact question today so saturday i was i was praying and just working through some things in my mind and i had that overwhelming feeling that by the way never once was it in my thoughts never once did i read it hear it from somewhere it was just this wave of here's what i want you to do and, um, and I was just, boy, it, it, I laid my head back for a minute and I just processed and I declared it. And uh, I went to another guy who's involved in the ministry side of it with us and said, hey, I, I got to share this with you. I want you to pray about it. Get with your wife. You guys go to neutrality. Let's, let's connect in 48 hours. But then Trisha and I sat down on the couch and I said, hey, babe, here's what the Lord just spoke to me. And I'm so grateful to have a wife who her walk with God is intimidating. Like it's another level than mine. And she started to speak some things into it. She said, think through this, 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 and this, and let's pray about those things. Awesome. We haven't talked about it again because we're in a 48 hour. We're just in that season of neutrality. We're going to come back mm. in a couple of days. Hey, what's the father saying? Um, you know, one of the things Rich, you taught us, it was so powerful is the same Holy Spirit living in her is living in me. Right. And unity means we don't necessarily agree right away, but eventually he's going to declare it if it's the direction and the move that we're supposed to make. And so for us, it's just, we call it the power of the pause, you, you know, neutrality, mm. praying, coming back together, seeing what God says. And then once, once it's revealed, this is the promise that we made to the father. Once you reveal it to us, we will run like we, you know, like we're on fire to get it done, but we're going to, so here's our thing. We're going to patiently wait while we passionately pursue, um, wait mm. to hear it. And then we'll passionately pursue it. And you talk about, um, neutrality, um, describe that what is that how do you how do you get there because a lot of people uh they struggle with that well you know yeah mm -hmm. but but i have uh, my view my perspective and uh i really think this is what i want to do so how do what is neutrality and how do you how do you and trish actually work to get there <laughs> yeah um for us we we have a principle in our home uh, regarding peace 
um, that God has given us the gift of peace for our home. And if he's given us the gift, we have the responsibility to protect it and defend that peace. So what we do is we, if anything becomes an interruption to that peace, we provide a greater interruption. God has given us the power to provide a greater interruption to the things that are interrupting us. And so what is our greater interruption? <laughs> Neutrality. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to talk about it right now. What we're going to, we just pray. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me, you know, how uh, somebody once said, if you fight to win, the relationship ends. But if you fight for solution, there's always resolution. Well, what's the solution? Sometimes it's do nothing. Do nothing about the something until God tells you to do anything at all. <laughs> and so there's so much power in just um, being willing to say, I don't have, we don't have to know right now. And, and of course, the thing is, well, I got it. You know, it's a shotgun answer. We got to know tomorrow. If you have to know tomorrow, you're going to have an answer by tomorrow. Bottom line, I believe oh, God that good. much. If you don't have it by tomorrow, you don't need it. Sometimes rejection is protection. And God's trying to close a door that we're trying to kick open because we're trying to do it according to our will and way. And so, again, the greatest interruption that couples can offer is the interruption of neutrality. We don't have to talk about it right now. Let's go to prayer. We'll come back at it. Come back in 24, 7, uh, 48, mm. 7 days, whatever. But, but we're going to go to God first. And again, the pause, do nothing about the something until God says, do anything at all. Yep. Yeah. We talk about, because um, you, you, you make a, a statement about the timeline of it. Um, and people, you know, give God, God uh, deadlines. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, I've got to have, I, this house is available and we got to make this decision by tomorrow. Uh, and so, hey, honey, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, let's, let's, let's decide. I would like to get it. Let's get it. Um, and see, a lot of times, like you said, uh, you're not getting God's answer because his answer is let the, let the deadline pass. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's no, my answer is in a sense, no, that's not, that's not it. Uh, yeah. And we can't put God on deadlines. You know, it's uh, what do you have to say about this? Uh, mm -hmm. Which, yeah, by the way, uh, skip that deadline. Don't worry about it. You know, and yeah. so, amen. I got something better. Well, think about what you just said. There's, there's always a woodpecker in a relationship, <laughs> just pecking away, pecking away, pecking away. Right. And we just wear our partner down. But what's fascinating is, is that the opposite of neutrality is resignation. If, a, and, and what happens is, is when a person, husband or wife moves to resignation, the one who drove them to resignation goes, ah, we're in unity. No, you're in conformity. Conformity is not unity. But, but resignation is always the predicator. It's the catalyst to resentments. And so what ends up happening in relation, we have layer after layer after layer of resentment because all we've done the entire marriage is move to resignation. And the enemy, I tell people all the time, the only real estate that the enemy can take in the, mar the Christian marriage are the areas of your marriage where you're not in unity. Yeah. That is it. That's the only area the real estate he can take are the areas where you're not in unity. so what's his job divide conquer i want you to have as many areas where you're not in unity so i can take up real estate in your relationship and so again if we're not in neutrality we're in resignation from resignation becomes resentment and if you've ever read a divorce paper it's awful at the end it says irreconcilable differences basically we're two prize fighters who could never figure it out and that's a sad sad thing to say right. yeah that's right um uh, so as you're uh, experiencing that uh, and teaching it, uh, tell us about uh, what you and Ed are doing now. What what is your uh, vision? What do, what do you see ahead, and uh, what's uh, what's exciting you about it? Um, we we believe that everything in the future rises and falls on abiding. We have literally made it the predicator to all that we're doing. It is the catalyst. It's the um, the bread, the butt, whatever. It's it's everything. Um, we're just working hard to try to create this in an environment that makes sense. We, you know, guys, we're living in a post-Christian world. Um, a post-Christian world simply means that um, before in a Christian nation, people were exposed to God, morality first. 
they would reconcile secularism through those lenses. Post-Christian, they're introduced to secularism first. Now they're trying to reconcile God and morality through those secular lenses. Mm -hmm. And so it makes the conversation with this young generation very difficult. I'm going to tell you a story that is Ed and I never wanted to tell Rich because he's going to make fun of us for the rest of our lives on this, but I'm going to share with you how wild this, what I'm, what I'm talking about is here. Ed and I just had an opportunity to speak in front of 800 very young entrepreneurs out in Scottsdale, Arizona last month. Because Ed and I are always together and we never have our wives, the, 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 everybody there thought that Ed and I were married. <laughs> Now, we never wanted to tell Rich this, and I begged, I said, Becky, whatever you do, don't ever tell Rich this story, but I, I need to tell now to understand where, why what we're doing is so important. Um, so I got up on stage, I'm the opening communicator, and I'm speaking, and I'm just going to town and doing our thing, and, and I mentioned my wife, Trish. Well, it ended up, we started having a conversation with some of the people in the event, and they, here's what they said to us, they said, we thought you guys were married and you were a couple. And we were so disappointed to find out that you weren't because we thought it was so awesome to have a testimony of two people that love mm -hmm. God are doing really well in business and can be an example and testimony to the rest of the world of how, of how good that is. Think about wow. that generation. And it never crossed their mind that there was anything about that that would be in violation to the law of God or what God wants or God's best for any of our lives. So we, Ed and I, after we got, you know, our egos were totally deflated because we're like, man, we crushed it. We did a great job only to find out everyone thought we were gay. But <laughs> once we got, once we got over that, um, we were so incredibly sad. And then we were em emboldened and our passion grew mm -hmm. to be a voice for truth. And, and, and how important it is to teach people, you have to hear the voice of God teaching people, what, but what is God saying? And so mm -hmm. I think our ministry now and what God has called us into now, um, our, we feel a, a deeper sense and a more profound sense of urgency. Um, because again, you guys know, I mean, the cyclicalities of, of the behaviors, what we're seeing today, I mean, that's based on what happened in our schools and stuff, all the, we're seeing the fruition of that now. Right. And so we're, we're being called now into being bold with love and how important it is for people to say, but what is God saying about this? Truth is not relative. Uh, it is absolute and people have to be pointed back to it. And so there is a fervency, there is an urgency in what we're doing and being able to get in front of these young leaders who, by the way, are influencing the world um, mm -hmm. and, and teaching. And, and guys, I just, as a voice of encouragement, it's happening. Um, and these guys are just, they're, they're starting it in their businesses. We're walking these guys through abiding in their businesses and um, they're starting to get it. And, um, and again, that's why I believe the next awakening revival is coming out of this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask just because I'm not familiar with your, um, the ins and outs of your ministry, these 800, um, young, young entrepreneurs who came, are they coming knowing they're coming to a Christian? You know, to tell us about how, yeah. where this audience comes from and then how you're able to speak into it. So I had the opportunity I have had and still do. I do. I have a private coaching mentoring practice okay. and, um, I mentor a lot of these guys privately and, and, um, it's, that's a, that's a, business. That's a company that we have in the mentorship side of things. Okay. And um, this guy, uh, I mentored he and his COO of his office. They have a, they run 27 companies, uber successful, uber wealthy. They have an incredible following. This guy has over a million followers on Instagram. Well, he hosted an event. It was a real estate event. 
and um, and he's so desperate for people to get to God and to get the truth, and he's mm. a kingdom advancer. He said, Christian, I want you and Ed to come out. He said, you're going to open this thing up, and then you and Ed are going to close it down on, on Friday night. So we were like, they had no idea what was coming when I got on stage and uh, they were there for real estate, but we started out, I mean, from Ephesians chapter six, talking about the armor of God, like, I mean, we went right after it. And, um, but it, it opened up the door and it opened up for us to just, again, to some more um, exponential ministry um, that we're, we're being able to see. That was a secular event that God used. And by the way, that's what's Beautiful. happening. It's happening in that secular space. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as the, um, as you're experiencing that, because um, you, you said it uh, in a couple different ways, uh, that uh, the world certainly uh, doesn't have any regard for truth at all. It's all uh, what I want to do and spin, by the way. Um, mm. And then even the Christian community um, has lost the, the, uh, the essence of logos, uh, that, hey, that is absolutely true and it has something to say to us. How are you guys... Uh, addressing that and with with an audience that really has no idea that there is absolute truth and is certainly resident in scripture yeah great question so part of what we're doing is is we've worked really hard at blending theology and psychology these kids are really smart they're in an information age and so we're 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 not just um, coming at them with a the, with a bunch of doctrine and theology and Bible. We're taking it again. You guys know this better than I do. But information doesn't lead to transformation. Implementation does. So how do we take something and, and it's practical where they can start implementing it in small ways, and then we celebrate those wins with them? But everything everything comes back to we just say, but what does God say? But what did God say? Mm. Well, I don't. I'm not hearing it. We'll go to His Word. Get in the logos, get in the word. And, and I mean, there's there's 66 books to go read. Uh, this is so cool. I had a kid reach out to me after that event. He He's a 17-year-old kid. He sent me a private message on Instagram. And he goes, Christian, I was at the event. He said, I'm a young entrepreneur getting started in, in real estate. 17-year-old investor, crazy. <laughs> he said, I've never heard of God. And, and I never had anybody teach me about God. He said, would you would you be willing to talk to me about him? Uh, yeah, I was on the phone with him in 15 minutes and we had a 45 minute conversation. I started him in the gospels and said, I just want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you're done, start over. He sends me a message three. So he downloaded a uh, U version. He gets in the, in there. He said, this is so cute. He sent me a message three hours, three hours later. And he goes, dude, I can't believe all this exists. I didn't even know this was here. He said, this is blowing my mind. And I'm only on page three. Like it was a novel, right? And so I, I think for us, again, a lot of these in this post-Christian, they've never even been exposed to the word. Like they're right. fascinated by the, by the word itself. And as long as we're there to help answer questions and to guide, I will tell you this, we have to get out of the mentality that God's blessing and favor is on an auditorium filled with 10,000 people. Yes. The best ministry that I've ever done in my entire life is the one-on-ones, the 17 year old kids calling me and being able to walk them through mm -hmm. and hold their hand, 10 guys, 12 guys. In fact, we don't like our group to be more than 12 to 15 people at a time, but walking them through this, I am on zoom calls 25 hours a week. Um, walking people through this training, leading all the time, mm -hmm. everywhere, just walking, holding hands and walking people through. And I think that's, we've got to be willing to lay our egos and our logos down. And we've got to be willing to, to do what's not the, no, no, there's no fanfare in that. 
there's no popularity in that, right? But we're willing to walk people through it, hold their hand and take them on the mm -hmm. journey. God said, if they have an ear to hear, let them hear. So I'm not looking for the 99 no's, just show me the one yes, and we'll pour our life into that. Right. Yep. That's beautiful. How, how would, uh, if people want to connect with you guys, what, how do they connect with you? What, uh, how do they uh, reach you? So um, we, Ed, Ed and I have put together uh, a new uh, a website that we're filtering everything through right now, and it's just called uh, realchrisferris.com. I hate all of that because it's, it's, they had to build it on my, on my name, um, but it's, uh, that's what our Instagram, and that's what they're building all of that on to get that following, but realchrisferris.com, and um, they can go there. They can uh, get all the information of what we do and find out our, how we coach. They can get plugged into abiding from there. Um, again, we've got, we've got new groups launching every single week uh, right now. And um, with these guys, they finish up one and the group's you know, ready to start another one. So in fact, we've got a business one launching uh, tomorrow morning. This has got 13, uh, 15 guys now from all over the country, high level business guys that's launching tomorrow at 7am. So they can get plugged into all these things by going to, uh, to that. So yeah. Great. And, and say that again, so everybody can. Uh, yeah. Real, real Chris Ferris.com. And Ferris is F-A-R-R-I-S, -R -R. right? Yes, sir. Com. Great. So uh, everybody, if you have a chance to connect with that and uh, and certainly uh, looking for ways to get connected with truth. And uh, it's kind of fun how you're uh, expressing that. In a, <laughs> you know, our, our podcast is called, you know, come and see uh, finding truth in a world of chaos. And uh, uh, we know that the world is chaotic. And, um, mm -hmm. and Christian, we have, by the way, um, which is something you'll you'll love. Uh, we have end times Fridays. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we're going through the discussion of, uh, you know, what is the end and, and then what's the remnant uh, uh, role in that uh, as we look at, you know, again, the, the world and what's happening with the world and, uh, uh, you know, what you're reaching is, uh, you know, these guys that can start to listen and hear God's voice mm -hmm. that will guide them into and through all this chaotic stuff because he's, he's superior to it, you know? So you, yep. you, 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 you and Ed must be having the, the time of your life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's so neat to just see again, to not get up and do a bunch of stuff and ask God to bless it, but say, father, what is it that you're doing? And then what is it you're blessing and pursue that? That has been the fundamental game changer for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is, and, and that's where, again, that's where we get to see the greatest fulfillment of God's work. Yeah, explain the, the will of heaven here on earth. Explain that. And that's right where the adventure is too, yeah. right? A hundred percent. Explain that a little bit. Um, so you made it, you know, that most believers are, you know, God, here's my list. I'd like you to bless my list. Uh, and they, by the way, they get discouraged. Like you said, they get discouraged because it doesn't happen much as opposed to well, why don't you join God in his work? So describe what's the difference there. How do, how do you get to the difference? For us, I, I think we had a realization that that no Christian struggles with the will of God. We all want God's will. What we struggle with is the way that leads to the will, and that's where we that's where we get off course because you know it's never in our timing, it never aligns with our script, it's never in sync with our season, right? It always it's just that's just God's economy. Yeah. And so for us, it's, it's not yet you're surrendering. In fact, in the, in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wasn't surrendering the will. He'd already had that part. He was, that was confirmed. He was struggling with the cup. Like, can, is there another way that we can get this done? 
And I think for us, it's, it's just teaching people and we're learning, Hey, look, God's got a way that transcends art. It's counterintuitive, countercultural, awkward. Cause I'm oftentimes creates a crisis of belief, mm-hmm. but, but we have to be willing to surrender to that in order. It is the way that leads to the will. And so if you're willing to walk that, if you're willing to surrender to that, I, I, the wills that it takes care of itself. I mean, that's when it's revealed. That's when it comes to us. And so how do we, it's funny, Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, the awkward thing, that was, that was the first time that world had ever heard that everything before that was dead. And the awkward thing about something is living is it has a tendency to get up off the altar and, you know, walk away. So this is not a one and done. This is an every morning I'm waking up and father, I'm surrendering to you, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, but not just to your will, that's confirmed. I want to surrender to the way that's leading there. And, mm-hmm. and for us, it's, it, it opens our eyes spiritually to see what only spiritual eyes can see. I believe that's part of what the armor of God does. In, in Ephesians chapter six, he gives us that supernatural power to see into the supernatural and to be able to navigate through those uncharted waters. You said it a minute ago that it's, it is the, that's part of the wildness of the ride as that you don't know. And uh, it requires your faith for, you know, for God to lead you through it. And again, if you flip the script in the mentality, I can only control my actions and attitude. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to have a great time while I'm doing this. This is going to be fun. We're going to make it fun Mm -hmm. and enjoy it because God is never, ever going to lead me into something that is not a part of his will. As long as I'm walking in surrender, it will always be his best. I just believe that about him. Mm -hmm. So again, I think it's just flipping the script on how we see that journey. Yeah. How did you uh, come to that place where you saw surrender as actually uh, the way to the beautiful life? How, how did you come to know that? Um, because everything that I did led to something chaotic. And it, <laughs> it, it, it hurt me and it hurt other people. And um, I, I liked to, th- I, I continued to like to think I was in control, um, but it never ended right. It never ended well. It was, there's was always chaos and insanity with it. But I, I, here's the number one thing, to be honest, it was peace. I was not living with peace. Um, I tell people all the time, it, part of the abundant life, I live with peace 365 days a year, one extra day on leap year, because I've learned the art of relinquish. If I only have the power to control my actions and attitude, then that means everything else in outcomes, I have to relinquish to the farmer who's controlling the traffic in and out of the garden. But I have a tendency, and again, that that's a cerebral front lobe decision, right? I'm just I'm deciding to relinquish it over. But guess what? It takes the same process of thought to go pick that thing back up and start worrying about it again. And so mm. for me, it's it's a I've let it go. I'm making a decision to not pick it back up. And and I'm I told the guy today that is the holy grail of peace. When you learn to relinquish it over to the farmer, to the husbandman, to the guy that's running the the god that's running the garden, the traffic in and out. That is the secret to peace. And for me, that it's just an easy illustration of what surrender looks like. He's given me the power to control these things. Everything else has to be surrendered to him. And by the way, when I talk about power to control action, it just means doing the next right thing in the next right way. That's all it is for me. Yeah. Doing it with a grateful heart. That's yeah. what I'm called to do. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, part of that next right thing in the next right way is up every day, spending time with the father, staying connected. Right. Asking him what that next right thing what is. What is it? Yeah. yeah. What is it? Yeah. Uh, you show me, I'll do it. I'll obey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why, why wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell people this all the time. I don't ever want to go back to that other guy because he's the guy who was wrecking homes and ruining mm-hmm. his kids' lives and other people. You know, I don't, I don't want that guy. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, when people come to grips with the fact that God has this crazy abundant life 
and it is his best and you get to walk in that every day. Why would you want anything else but that? So, right. Beautifully said. Well, uh, we're so, uh, uh, encouraged by, uh, you know, your walk and what you're doing and what you're, uh, you know, giving it away the covenant life, you know, you're blessed to be a blessing mm-hmm. and, uh, it's exciting to be, uh, seeing it. And, uh, we wish you really, uh, continued, uh, uh, joy, uh, that you get to see the next great thing <laughs> tomorrow. And, uh, how fun is that going to be? So, uh, Amen. Yeah. You know, we look forward to anything else you'd like to share with the audience at all in terms of, uh, you know, your, your call or your. No, just to say, uh, Rich, thank you for uh, being the lead in this. I mean, you don't realize, maybe you do, um, but the, the thousands and thousands of lives that are being impacted mm-hmm. by what you and Linda have so um, graciously so worked on and offered. And I try to, you know, one of the things that I ask the father every day is father, please help me to be a steward of the platforms that you've given me and the gifts of which you've blessed me. And this is one of the gifts that God has blessed me with that fundamentally and profoundly changed our life. And we want to steward it and we want to be a part of that legacy. So, you know, um, I'm just, we're grateful uh, that God is using you in the capacity that he is. Yeah, well, we're uh, grateful for you. And it's a a joy uh, to do that together and see what God's up to. And uh, again, if anybody has questions, even for a Christian, uh, uh, send it. You can send us comments on our YouTube or uh, send us at questions at afjministry.com. Uh, we'd love to uh, receive them. We'll pass them along to, to Christian as well. And uh, we just uh, are excited about the growth of what you're up to and uh, mm-hmm. pray that you just keep uh, staying in that place of joy. Uh, it's nothing, nothing better. So Kathy, another exciting time. We could, uh, we, could we could keep going uh, as we know, but uh, we're out of time. So we're just, uh, we're excited, Christian. Thank you so much thank uh, you. Yeah, for thanks being with for us. Sharing, Christian. It was great just to hear all that God is doing in and through you. So thank you for what you're pouring into the next generation as well. Yeah, Amen. thank you. So, um, if and you then, enjoyed today, also be a friend and tell a friend. Um, we want more and more people joining us on this journey because as you hear, even just from the passion that, that Christian has expressed today, God has so much for each and every one of us. Um, we just need to go to his feet and hear what he has to say in that surrender. And, um, and it is a life of adventure. So yep. pass this on. Let us share it with more people. Yep. Um, and Christian uh, has been part of this, but uh, we start tomorrow our series uh, called End Times Friday uh, and hmm. uh, are dealing with the remnant. So uh, it'll be exciting to have you join. We're going to do that every Friday and, and keep that going. And uh, Christian has a lot to say about that. So we'll probably have you back on, maybe talk about that specifically, Christian, about uh, uh, the world. And uh, as we're walking uh, through this great adventure, there are interesting things happening that God says, mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to tell you. So it'll be fun. So again, thank you. And we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See, your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.